Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I told the early church, early service, what happened in Uganda stays in Uganda. <laughs> uh, I don't know what came over me to do that, but um, was it the Holy Spirit? Okay, you really want to blame him for that? I'm not sure he wants to take credit. Uh, it was a great time. Um, they were showing us a traditional Ugandan dance. It was before uh, on uh, some of these crusade nights, and so as they're all up there dancing, I told the pastor next to him, I said, i got to get involved in this. So he's like, well, go for it, Pastor Ed. So I went up there and danced for a while. I didn't know that Alex was going to display that madness <laughs> before my church. But uh, anyway, we had a wonderful time, and it's really good to be home, though. It is really good to be home with you. And, uh, but God did some marvelous things through us and, and in us and to us and with us there in Uganda. We saw hundreds of people come to Christ. I mean, that was extraordinary every night. Um, many got saved, and um, several um, filled with the Spirit, and many were delivered of demons, and lots of people got healed. So we just saw the power of God demonstrated in mighty ways there. Uh, <laughs> uh, where is Alex? Is he in here? You sent him out? What does that mean? Oh, uh, it was, you know, Alex is our media director here and does all this kind of stuff, but to watch him lay hands on somebody who's demon-possessed and watch him cast the devil out was pretty extraordinary to watch him do that and realize, you know, you don't have to be a preacher to have authority over the devil. You just need to be a believer. That's it, just a believer. And and, uh, lots of people are caught up in witchcraft there, so demonic activity is prevalent as a result. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I was telling... Uh, me and Alex showed up here Wednesday night. Some of you were here. We got here late to the service. We just got off the plane and drove here as quickly as we can, as we could. And I don't even remember what I said. I'm quite sure I was delirious at that point. But um, was the third? No, it was the first night. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of last week is the nights of the crusade. And then during the day we had a pastors' conference where I got to train up pastors and leaders. And that that's my forte. That's what I love to do. Crusades are great. Uh, that's what the evangelist heartbeat is, uh, but I love being around pastors. I like being able to teach them uh, the gospel and how to preach the gospel, and so it was just a good partnership with Aaron Perry, who's, who's an evangelist, and, and just having that combination, that one-two knockout punch, but uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, so the, the first night I was gonna, uh, got up to preach, uh, Aaron had me scheduled to preach Thursday night, so I preached at the crusade, and then We had several people uh, receive Christ, and then we were going to move on to the next part of the meeting, which we were going to then invite people to receive healing. Those who we were, you know, wanted and needed a miracle from God, and and so uh, the the service shifted to that emphasis. And (laughs) when that happened, things got a little crazy. Um, It had just rained that day, and so there was puddles everywhere, and and this woman starts manifesting uh, a demon. I mean, she's contorting and convulsing and all kinds of stuff. And so they just pick her up out of the crowd and throw her on the stage at my feet, right? I'm like, okay. And, uh, and so then one of the other pastors came down, and they're, you know, they're praying over. And then another one, and we see another one, another. Next thing I know, it looks like I'm in a boat with a bunch of fish flopping around. In the, and, I mean, they're just all over the place, all this demonic manifestation. And so these pastors are ministering to these people and praying for them. And, 
And, uh, and it was very distracting, actually. And so what we decided, I told him, Aaron and I said, listen, let's not give the devil that much attention, all right? Because if he knows he can act out and get on display, he's going to do it a lot. So let's just, I don't care if there's two feet of water, take him over to the side and let's not give him that much attention. And, and uh, so the, the next night, Aaron, Aaron got up and, and was preaching, and sure enough, a, a lady starts manifesting, and so they just took her over to the side, and then we didn't have any more. I'm like, well, isn't that interesting? If he's not on the stage, he don't like to perform. So um, anyway, but we, as a result, we saw lots of people get set free, though, and, and healed and saved, and, and uh, I just want to thank you for your love and your prayers and support, because I was there, Alex was there, you were there, and so we're, we made a lot of good contacts there, made some good friendships, had some had some great time, and, and I, I was really seriously trying to learn that dance. I couldn't figure out how they move their hips like that. It was extraordinary, and uh, it's, a, it's a traditional Ugandan dance, but yeah, obviously you saw I couldn't get it down, but uh, anyway, but that night, that, we, that was the third night of the, of the crusade, and so when, when Aaron, and after I got up there and was dancing, I went and grabbed Aaron, the evangelist, and made him do it too, and uh, so, but what it did was endeared the people to us. And they just loved that we got involved with what they were doing, and it just really opened their hearts up to us even more. And so we even had more impact as a result. Somehow God was able to turn all things for good. (laughs) Praise God. But maybe the highest compliment, one of the highest compliments I've ever received, I received one day after preaching at a pastor's conference when one of the pastors, after it was over, said, Pastor Eric, you preach like an African. I said, that means a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, uh, amen. But it's good to be home. Did, uh, how did Pastor Jeremiah do last Wednesday night? Did he do a good job? Did he teach it? Do we need to correct any doctrine or anything? Or, or, my, or my brother, Pastor Brandon, he preached last week here. Did he do okay? Yeah, I'm sure they did. Good, solid men that can uh, keep the thing going. Uh, I'm grateful to God for that. But um, I, I just want you to know that um, next year, we're planning on doing another outreach to Africa, um, and so if you are interested, you would like to be a part of that, what we're going to do is not only do like a pastor's conference and possibly a crusade, but for sure a pastor's conference, but we're also going to do an outreach to the kids and do a big kids crusade. There are kids everywhere there, in Uganda especially. Uganda is the youngest nation in the earth, and it was amazing how many kids are everywhere you go. They're just everywhere. And uh, so there's a lot, a lot of harvest there yet to reap. And so um, if you're interested in that, just, just know and uh, be preparing yourself in prayer. And if you feel the Lord speaking to you, you'd like to minister with us. And we'll, we'll be giving you more information as the days and weeks and months go. So anyway, praise God. Good to be home. And uh, what's that? Oh, I don't know. Somewhere around this time, probably, May, June, something like that. Um, So if you would take your Bibles and go to the book of uh, Romans this morning, chapter 14, speaking of compliments, this pastor had preached this really long and boring message. And um, so as the congregation was filing out, nobody was saying anything to the pastor, but there's always this one man who was very thoughtful, and he's at the end of the line, and as he approaches the pastor, he says, Pastor, today you... Uh, your sermon reminded me yet again of the love and the mercy of God. And 
pastor was thrilled. He said, oh, really? How, how's that? And he said, it endured forever. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, which is, which Pentecost means 50. It's the 50th day after Passover. And this is after Christ died actually on Passover. And 50 days later, something marvelous happened in the earth. It really changed the whole world. It changed the church. It changed the people of God and continues to change the world to this day. And that was when the Holy Spirit came, He endured, endued believers with power. And, and uh, so I want to just give honor to Him today and, and thank God for the Spirit of God and His work in our lives, in the earth. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when it comes to uh, the person of the Holy Spirit uh, there's so much controversy about him. I'm of, of all the members of the Godhead, he seems to get a bad rap from time to time. I mean, we all get Jesus, right? I mean, goodness, he took away our sins. That's extraordinary. And the love of the Father who would give his Son for us, that's amazing. Then the Holy Spirit, you know, things kind of get a little wompy-jawed. Because there's been so much misconception of him. There are, there are, the, the, in the Holy Spirit, in, in His work and the understanding of Him is where you find extremes, right? Yeah. Am I in the right church? Yeah. Okay. Find extremes. Like when I was growing up, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I know what it, it is to be extreme in the Spirit. <laughs> I, I've seen it. I've experienced it. And, and so, but, but so, and I'm grateful to God for my upbringing. I'm grateful to God for for experiencing the Holy Spirit in so many wonderful ways and seeing the gifts of the Spirit, I'm glad to have been a part of that kind of church all my life, to never be indoctrinated with man-made, man's religion. But let me just say this. I will say that, that you can become man-made even in this, if you're not careful, to where you become, when it comes to the Spirit, more of an experiential person than you are a person of understanding. Because there are these two extremes where there's people who want to experience the sensational, right? They want to go after the signs and the wonders and the miracles. But, but let me just remind you of, of how this actually works. Signs and wonders and miracles follow believers. Believers don't follow signs, wonders, and miracles, okay? They follow our life, all right? That's the byproduct. When we preach the gospel, then we demonstrate the gospel, all right? And so there are those who live uh, this sensationalist kind of existence that they chase the Holy Spirit and His work from meeting to meeting, from conference to conference, and, and, and just uh, an eye for the spectacular, right? With no real root in, in themselves where they are grounded in truth. And the church of the living God is called the pillar and the ground of the truth. And it's the Word of God that is the rock that we are established upon. Amen. So we follow the Word, we follow the Scriptures, we, we adhere to the Word of God, but there is a power that is known from God through the person of the Holy Spirit that this earth must see, my family. The great T.L. Osborne, the greatest missionary of the past century, said, we owe it to the world to not only preach this gospel, but to demonstrate the gospel. All right? And so uh, they need to see the power of God. The earth is in travail. It's longing for the revealing of the sons of God, and that's what we're here to do. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. 
Amen. And when he ascended upon high and he sat down at the Father's right hand, those who believe on him now, that same spirit that brought him up out of the grave now dwells in us. What that means is you have the same capability that Jesus Christ himself has because it's the same spirit that's in you. Hmm? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you have the same spirit. So anything's possible then. Miracles, signs and wonders are, can flow through your life as a result of the Holy Spirit in you. He's the capability. He's the resource for it. Amen. He's the one who enables you to do it. He's the, the function to your unction. <laughs> Amen. See, Jesus didn't do anything until the Holy Spirit descended upon him. He didn't do anything, didn't do any miracles until he went to see John the Baptist and John baptized him. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit came up on him, descended down upon him like a dove. And it was from that moment forward that Jesus began to do the work. In Luke chapter 4, he stood up in the congregation and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. Set at liberty those who are captive. So that's what I'm saying. He's the verb in the Godhead. He's the one that gets you moving. He's the action. All right? So we need Him in the earth, and we need to have the right kind of understanding and not be afraid of the Holy Spirit and His work in the earth because He's not spooky. He's not weird. He's God. All right? And, 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 and He's not a thing. He's a person. And He's very personal. And He comes to live in us to guide us into all truth and to teach us all things by His anointing. Amen. So that you never get off of the truth. So that you never live a lie. Amen. The Spirit will always keep you in truth. And I'm grateful to God for the Holy Spirit. But then there's the other extreme. There's, there's the experience. And then there are those who just have the knowledge of the Spirit. They can tell you the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. They even have it on their website in their belief section. The indwelling of the Spirit. Right? They have a lot of knowledge about Him, but they don't really have much experience with Him. They can tell you about Him, but they don't have any experience to really back that up. It's the knowledge versus the experience. But if you need both, my family, the, not the understanding and the experience. Amen. I can remember years ago, I was about 25. Heather and I had just been married maybe a couple of years. And I remember the Lord asked me a question. Now, the Lord doesn't normally talk to me the way He did there. Sometimes He'll just talk to me flat out. I can just you know, hear him on the inside real strong. He doesn't always do that because I, I don't, I'm not one of those who goes around telling me God told me this and God told me that. You know, matter of fact, if somebody tells me that, that too much, I, I kind of, okay, all right. Because the way the Lord talks to me, and I think he talks to every believer, on, on, for the most part, is by his scripture, through his word. Amen? Because there's all kinds of voices out there. And if you're listening for voices, oh, you'll hear voices. <laughs> you'll hear voices. All right, we can't just be looking for a voice. Peter said, we got something more sure than a voice that spoke out from the sky that said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. We have a more sure word of prophecy. It's the scriptures. How do you get more sure than God speaking out of heaven? You see what I mean? He's saying, we're not looking for the sensational things. We have this truth, the written truth that is above all. That is the final truth. So I was, I, as I said, Heather and I were, I can remember one day, the Lord spoke to me. I just heard him say, why, why do you speak in tongues, Eric? 
And I thought, why are you asking me that question? Lord, you know why? I, I was raised in this. I always have. You know, there are things. How many of you can remember the first time you spoke in another tongue? If you speak in tongues, you remember the first time it happened. I mean, almost everybody can remember it because it's so bizarre, right? I mean, it goes against everything you know in the natural. All your reasoning, all your, I mean, you just have to, you had to take that step, right, and, and begin to utter that language. Then you found out, oh, this is really glorious. Well, I don't even remember my first experience. It was so normal for us to do that. I don't even remember the first time it happened. I felt like I've been doing it since I was born. So I didn't really not quite know what the Lord was, where it was leading me. I'm thinking, why are you, ask, Lord, of all the things you could talk to me about, really, why are you asking me why I speak in tongues? And he said, why do you do I said, I don't know, Lord. I just do. I've done it all my life. It's, he said, that's not a good enough answer. I said, okay. He said, you need to know why you do it. Because if you don't know why, you can't tell anybody else why. And I said, okay. So I just started doing my own study. Believe me. For so many years, I had called my dad, still do to this day, if I have a question, a scripture question, you know. But, and I was just about to grab my phone and call my dad. <laughs> but mm, it's just time for me to do this myself. So I just opened my Bible and I just started reading. Started looking up everywhere. It started, you know, any reference to speaking in tongues or the baptism of the Spirit. And I found a marvelous study unfold before me. And by the time I finished studying that, now I not only had experience, but I had the reason why I experienced what I experienced and was excited to be able to tell anybody that had a question about it. Because the truth is, and maybe you can relate to this, growing up in the Pentecostal kind of church that I did, I'd have friends ask me from time to time, do you speak in tongues? And I would not want to answer that question. I'd be like, um, yeah. And sometimes they were bold enough to go, do it. I know, I'm not going to perform for you. This isn't, this isn't a circus act. Sounds like one, but <laughs> it's not one. And anyway, so I, I was just so insecure about it. But, now, but once I figured it out, once I knew the why in my family, I became bold in it happy to share and to teach about it and anybody that wanted to know about it because it became such a reality for me. You know, it became such a sure thing in my life. No longer was I insecure about it. So I, I just want to, um, uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 17, we haven't even read a scripture yet, have we? It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. So Paul's, what he's doing in chapter 14, he's talking about not looking for or spreading offenses around not being divisive and not judging others by what they eat or drink or what they don't eat or don't drink. He said, listen, this is not what the kingdom of God is. It's not eating and drinking. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's powerful, isn't it? Righteousness. Is righteousness a gift? Yeah, righteousness is a gift from God. I love that. It's a gift from God. Think about what happened when you believed God, when you believed this gospel, this beautiful message, Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again from the dead the third day. When you believed that message, you became righteous. That's an amazing thing. I mean, what a trade, right? You gave faith and God gave you righteousness. That's a good deal. Huh? Would you say that's a good trade? 
Well, there's a woman driving around the desert in Arizona. And she's on a long trip home. And here in a little while, she sees a, a woman standing on the side of the road. And she, she pulls up there, and it's, it's a Navajo woman. And so she says, ma'am, would you like a ride? And she says, yes, I'd like a ride. Please, thank you. So the Navajo woman gets in the passenger seat, and they head on down the road. And, um, and uh, so she looks down, and she sees a, a bag there in the floorboard. And the driver, the lady, noticed that this woman's looking at the bag. She says, you, you, oh, you're wondering what, what that is? She said, yes. She says, that's... that's um, that's a bottle of wine. I got that for my husband. And uh, the Navajo woman said, good trade. <laughs> when, when God gave you Jesus, when Jesus gave you righteousness and became sin for you, that's a good trade. Huh? He became a curse so that you could be blessed. That's a good trade. Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, good trade, huh? That's a good trade. He became wounded so that you could be healed. That's a good trade, huh? He became the Son of Man so that we could become sons of God. That's a good trade. He became forsaken so that we could become forgiven. That's a good trade. Hmm? That's a good trade. Why would God do that? I mean, he, he makes sure that we win in that deal, huh? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness and peace and joy. All of those are gifts from God. Right. Peace of God has come to us because that's what he chose to give us. The angel announced it at the birth of Jesus. Peace on earth, good will toward men. The fact that God became a man... The fact that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, came into this world as a man, was already proof that God was on our side. The fact that He showed up as a baby before He ever even went to that cross and paid for our sins, the fact that He became a man has already proved what was in His heart all along. And He became a man so that then we could become like Him. There was no way that we could become like Him. There's no way that we could ever truly uh, uh, come back into a right relationship with Him through good works. No matter how good people are, nobody's good enough to save themselves. Not from death, not from sin and death. Only Jesus could do that. I'm grateful for Jesus who was strong enough, who was powerful enough, who was willing to do it for us to wash away all of our sins. And then he told his disciples, listen, I'm leaving and it's to your advantage that I leave. Because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit won't come. But when I go, he's going to come, and he's going to come and be with you, and he will be in you. He's going to be in you. That same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. But there's something else about the Spirit of God that many, many miss out on. Another experience with the Spirit that many miss out on, they're, they're fine with the indwelling of the Spirit, but it's that ondwelling that kind of freaks people out. And, and, and this happened in, in Acts chapter 2. This happened in Acts chapter 2 when Jesus told them to go and... Tear, let's look at Luke chapter 24 right quick. Luke chapter 24. It says, and he opened their understanding. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. And so he's talking to his disciples. And he, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. 
Isn't it interesting? He's talking about himself in third person there. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. When he said tarry, I looked up the word tarry in the Greek, just expecting to see the word wait. But it didn't say wait. It said to make to sit down. He said to go sit in Jerusalem. Now, it means to wait, but I think it's interesting that it said to sit. Because when you open up Acts chapter 2, and we go to verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. See, right now, you're a good proponent right now. You're a good candidate for a move of the Spirit because you're sitting. Huh? My Pentecostal upbringing, there wasn't no sitting when it came to the Holy Ghost. We got stirred up. We got fired up. We got loud. We cried. We screamed. We ran around the church. I mean, that's, that's just how we worked up. But these guys are sitting. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Everybody say other tongues. Other tongues. Other tongues. As the Spirit gave them others. Other tongues. Other tongues. What does that mean, other tongues? Other than what you know is what it means other than what you're used to, other than what you've been trained in. I was with Daniel Plowman in India a few years ago, and we, were, we got in the, uh, in the car heading from the airport to, uh, to the, where we were going to be ministering, and the pastor, Pastor Allen, was driving along, and he's talking on the cell phone with his brother, and literally sounded just like this. And I look back at Daniel, and I'm like, is he saying uh, anything at all? There are two syllables. So we were making fun of him while he's talking. It sounded like total hogwash, right? It sounded like gibberish. But there's a whole conversation going on, but it's another tongue. And the Lord helped me see something there, that the language of the Spirit, though not understood the natural mind, is still a language. And it's not gibberish just because it sounds like gibberish. Hmm? That it's the Spirit who's giving the utterance. That word for utterance is only found one time in the Greek in, its, in this passage of Scripture, and the word's about this long, and I'm not even going to attempt to say it, the Greek word. But it means not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Imagine that. One belonging to dignified and elevated discourse into the natural mind. It sounds like this. Right? And people that haven't experienced it and don't know, they just, and try to reason this thing out, they just go, that's insane. Can I tell you that I've been speaking in tongues almost my whole life and my mind still tells me, that's insane. It's never caught on to this thing. But it didn't stop me from doing it. 
Because I have found a personal strength, a personal power that I can't explain. I do know what the Scripture says, that when one prays in a tongue, he edifies himself. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? We all need edification, right? We all need it. And, so, and, and there, nobody can edify you like the Holy Spirit. And I've needed that in my life. And I found when I prayed in the Spirit, man, I felt, oh, yeah, like I just took a five-hour energy drink. I mean, just boom. And, something, and it also said that you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. You also keep yourself in the love of God when you pray in the Spirit. The Scripture says that when you pray in the Spirit, you speak mysteries, or, or it literally means the secrets of God. Wow! God allows us to use our tongue in this, this imperfect body to declare His mysteries in the earth through a gibberish language? Are you kidding me? Why would He do this? Strange. A strange thing. Very odd to what we know. But what happened that day in Acts when, when they were filled with the Spirit, there was so much confusion going on. There were people from all nations of the world. They were talking about Jewish people from all nations of the world. They were there because they were all there for the feast. And they hear this and they're like, these people are drunk. I mean, they were saying what people say today. These people are out of their minds. This is crazy. And then Peter gets up and says, no, guys, listen, this is that which was spoken by Joel the prophet. When he said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Now, this is different than the in you. This is the on you, all right? On all flesh, and, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So there's going to be then a physical manifestation to the on-dwelling. There's going to be something happen through the flesh that's going to prove, that's going to show that you have this on-dwelling of the spirit. It's an amazing thing. And God chose to use language, our language, uh, our tongues, I should say, to declare His language in the earth, declare His message in the earth. Marvelous thing. Now, we don't talk to one another in tongues. That would be useless. Because the Scripture says, He who prays in the Spirit, does prays in the tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. Because nobody understands Him. Unless there's an interpretation. And somebody can pray and, and receive the interpretation so that everybody can receive edification. But, but this is really more a personal thing than it is anything else. Because if it is done in a church setting, it needs to be done for the edification of the church. So, <clears throat> but Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. So I don't want to be one of those found guilty of, of refusing certain things from God just because I don't comprehend them. If I see it in His Word, I've, I've just come to the place in my life, if I see it there, that's what I want. Now, whoever that, whoever that uh, associates me with or whoever that separates me from, I can't help that. I just want to live by the book. I want to I have the experiences that God wants me to have. Am I talking to the right people today? I, I, want, I want what God wants. I really do. And this is another way, another avenue to pray. Think about it. He says he speaks to God, not to men. Wow, what an awesome thing. What an awesome gift that God has given us. Because Paul said, there are times that we don't know what to pray as we ought. Have you ever found yourself in that position? Maybe you've been so overcome by something, you don't even know what to say to God. Something personal has happened to you or something is cataclysmic happened to someone else. And you know, I've come to, into situations, even as a pastor, believe it or not, sometimes I show up and I don't know what to say. There are things that are just beyond us. You know, unexpected things, tragic things happen. You just go, I have to say something? I don't want to say, I don't know what to say. 
But the Spirit knows. He always knows what to say. And that's when I've leaned on Him heavily to go, oh, yeah, I'll let you speak for a while and just pray in the Spirit because it's always the right thing. So I want to encourage you today, if you've never received this gift of the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that today we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to dismiss the service, and I'm going to have some people up here who are willing to pray with you. And, and this will change your life. This will bless you big time. All right? I'm not going to stand up here and tell you to do something or ask you to do something or encourage you to do something that I know is, eh. I know its power. It has so impacted my life. Blessed me big time. And I'd love to go through a bunch of testimonies, but we don't have time. But I want to, and those of you that do pray in the Spirit, to continue in that way. Continue in that way. Don't forget that gift that you've received from God. This is not something you have to strive for, to work for. This is something simply to receive. It's a glorious gift that God has given us, and I thank God for it. And um, because once that happened, the disciples, the people of God, they could not keep their mouths shut about this great God. Wherever they went, they preached, and they preached with boldness. And not only did they preached with boldness, but they demonstrated with signs and wonders and miracles. And those things, I still see those things at work today in the earth. And I'm grateful to God to be able to be used in, in that capacity. And I found that it just, if you're willing, that's all God needs. If you're willing, He'll, he'll use you for His glory. See marvelous things. Amen. But that's not everything. His Word is everything. His Word is everything. But the Spirit is there to help you, to guide you, to lead you, and to reveal to you what has been given to you freely by God. Thank God. Can we pray for just a moment? Father, I want to say thank you for this great day. Thank you, God, for my church family. Thank you, God, for your blessing upon them. Thank you for the Spirit of the living God who has come to live in us and to dwell on us as well, who's given us gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit that are gifts to those who are in need. Some need the gift of prophecy. Some need a word from God, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Some need healings and miracles. Lord, I, I thank you. And some need faith. And Father, all these gifts manifested to your people, Lord, that come through us, through willing vessels who will say, use me. Use me for your glory. God, thank you that these are here to build the church, to edify people, and to see the kingdom of God increase in the earth. So, Spirit of God, we honor you and we thank you for your work in us and in the earth. Continue to use us for the glory of God. Continue to use us. Maybe just right now where you're seated, just make a fresh commitment to the Lord to not let anything hold you back, but that you just go all in with Him today. Just say, Lord, I surrender all to you. I want everything that you have for me. Whether I understand it or not, I want what you have for me. I'll do it. I'll go, I'll say what I need to say, what you want me to say, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'm a willing vessel. And the scripture says that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. He's your capability. He's your help. So just give to Him. Surrender to Him. Today is your day. Today is the day to do it. Amen.
Father, thank you now for great grace and peace to be upon those that are here. I want to ask some, some leaders to come up at this time. And if you're here today and you, you want to receive this gift, this gift of the Spirit, um, you can come now as I dismiss. Go ahead. If I can get some leaders just up here, some prayer partners that will pray with you. And uh, so you can receive today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You have a message to bring to this world. It's very simple. God has put people in your life, people will cross your path that are sighing, crying, and dying. And you have a message that can change everything for them. Don't forget the power of that gospel to everyone who believes. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day. Any opportunity that you can get to share that with others. Listen, it's not your job to explain the gospel, to try to get people to understand. It's your responsibility to just declare it. It knows. God knows what He's doing. All right? He just needs somebody who's willing to take Him at His word and not be ashamed of that simple, simple, powerful message and leave it at that. And if they'll believe it, because the Scripture says, if you, if you preach it, then they'll hear it. And if they'll hear it, then they can believe, because faith comes by hearing. And if they believe, then they will call on Him. And if they call on Him, they'll be saved. Very simple. Amen. So just be faithful with that message of reconciliation. Bring it to this world. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.